Welcome to a podcast from St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in McKeesport, PA, the friendly church in the heart of town since 1885. We're located at the corner of Walnut Street and 8th Avenue in downtown McKeesport. We invite you to join us this Sunday for worship at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website at stephensmckeesport.com or find us on Facebook. Our celebrant was the Reverend David Kinsey, and our musical director and organist was Georgia Labetta. in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or at the cock crow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you.
across an interesting saying recently, and it said, if everyone stands in line to receive, no one will. Now if you think about that, Thanksgiving Day, if everyone stood in line to receive, there would be no Thanksgiving because there's no preparers standing in line waiting to be received. I'm convinced that in this world there are two types of people. One people are takers and one are givers. The takers are those that are born and everyone becomes a taker. You can't change your clothes, you can't change your diapers, you can't speak, there's not much you can do. You can't dress yourself. And so at that point in your life, you become a taker. If you have a good parent or guardian, that particular parent or guardian transforms that child into a giver. My parents were very good at that. It's a matter of, David, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. And so I have been a giver by the, by the grace of God all of my life. I have a niece who is a taker. She's never worked a day in her life. She learns the government system. She takes and takes and takes, and my heart goes out to people that are takers. I must uh, share with you uh, a golf story about people that, and there are, there are those in our lives that people complain a lot. Uh, we complain about the weather, we complain about our wife, we complain about our husband, we complain about our neighbors, we complain about our kids. We just complain a lot. And we have so much to be thankful for. I was out playing golf. I was never very good at golf. But I went with a bunch of people, there was always four of us that played together, and we were the best liars in the world. We, we cheated, and we were good at it. I was out playing, I, I forget the, the terminology now, but back, back somewhere here is where the professionals tee off. And then the next set of uh, those balls on the green through the tee, that's where the regular people tee off. And up front is where the ladies tee off. Well, I'm always trying to get a few feet. So I always would tee off where the ladies tee off. And I made sure no one was watching. And so I, I teed off and I hit the ball, and all of a sudden I hear this squeaky voice in the background. This lady said, had her hand on her hip, don't you know you're hitting from a lady's tee? <laughs> now, now, you know, when somebody criticizes, you know, here goes up the back of your neck, you know, and you want to go to their level, which, I, which you can't do. And I turned to her and I said, don't you know that was my second shot? <laughs> you know, there's a, there was a preacher that went out, uh, he, all his buddies always golfed on Sunday. Well, he couldn't golf Sunday because he was always at St. Stephen's or somewhere. Uh, and so he called his, his associate up one day and he said, uh, one Saturday, he said, you know, he said, I, I just, I, would you take over the service tomorrow? He said, I, I just don't feel that good. And so he said, no problem. So he took up the service. So the, the preacher got up early in the morning and went to the next county to a golf course. And he didn't want anybody to know he was there. So he went somewhere else 
where nobody recognized him. Well, he got there, there was nobody there to play golf with, so he just started off, and he hit the ball, and he parred the, the, that particular hole. He couldn't believe it. I've never parred a, a hole in my life. And then the, the, second, the second tee, he, he was one under. And he just kept going that whole, the whole course. He was just so amazed at how good he was that day. And he kept thanking God for, man, you've really turned me into a great golfer. On the 18th hole, he hit the ball. It was headed right for the lake. Right in the middle of that lake was this huge stone. It hit the stone. It bounced up on the back of a hawk. The hawk flew it over, and it flew it over to the 18th green and put it right in a hole. And St. Peter, uh, Peter looked at God and said, hey, wait, wait a minute, man. That's one of your guys down there. First of all, he lied. And second of all, why did you allow him to have the best ball? I mean, he was 10 under. God, why did you allow that? And God said, who's he going to tell? <laughs> I, I had a wonderful visit last week in Tampa, Florida. The gentleman that I teach with, there's four of us who teach leadership. And we do that in March for two weeks. The gentleman that I teach with is a full-blooded Cherokee Indian. He's the most amazing individual I've ever met in my life. He has two master's degrees. Now, he said to me one day, he said, when we were down there in our conference, he said, you know, Dave, when I got my first master's degree, I thought I was the smartest man in the world. When I got my second master's degree, I thought I was really smart. He said, I got my first doctorate, then I got my second doctorate, and I realized I didn't know nothing. He said, I didn't realize how stupid I was. Now this guy speaks three languages. In conversation, he will talk about Aristotle and, and Ben Franklin. And he'll, he'll name the dates and what he said. And, 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 he, he's, and, he's, and he speaks a language. As a matter of fact, I said once, you know, when God doesn't know something, I think he comes to you and gets the answer. But he speaks so fluently and so humbly and he just quotes Socrates like I quote my wife. I mean, just comes so naturally. I said to his wife, I had to meet her a couple of years ago, she has two doctorates. I said, when he becomes, <laughs> when he becomes amorous, does he quote Socrates? She says, matter of fact, he does. <laughs> he was telling me that his, his job, he's a, he's a full professor, he said that one of his jobs is he works in the governor's office. And he's in charge, the overseer, of all the prisons in Louisiana. I said, Carl, how many jail cells are there? He said, 46,000. I said, how many inmates do you have? He said, 46,000. I said, what happens when you get 46,000 in one? He said, we put them together, two in a room. Now, I've been in a lot of jails, not as an inmate, but visiting people. Some of the jail cells are pretty small. To put two people in there, it's got to be deadly. He told me that when Katrina hit, the guards were so concerned about their own safety that they abandoned the jail. 
And the water's rising. I don't know how many of you have ever been in the flood. I've done a lot of repair work, electrical repair work. And flood waters rise very, very fast. And the flood waters were coming up in this one jail on, in ward number nine down there, which was basically a swamp. And they had no way to get out. And Carl, in his wisdom, took a load of buses down to the jail, unlocked all the prisoners and said, you've got one place to go, and that's out of that bus. Don't disappoint us. Well, they were going to die if that bus had not showed up and somebody hadn't opened that gate. And so they all got on the bus. They were all shackled. They had sheriff's departments coming in from all the southwestern states, picking up these prisoners and taking them to various uh, prisons. And within 24 hours, Carl and his wisdom and his ability to lead and his ability to, to, to direct Within 24 hours, he knew where every prisoner was when he arrived and how long they would be there. It's amazing to work with somebody like Carl that's a giver, that wants to just reach out and touch people's hearts. He told me a story about a couple, an elderly couple, that were almost running to catch this bus. Because a bus was taking people from where they lived out to safety, higher ground. Of course, down in New Orleans, there's not much way of high ground. And this one couple's, the husband fell. He had a massive heart attack right on the sidewalk. And he died. And obviously his wife was grieving and crying. And they said to the wife, Get his wallet. Take everything out of his clothing. You have to leave him. And so she bent down and she got his wallet out and, and all his personal possessions. And they came along with one of those uh, string bands. They put it on his wrist with his name on it. And they got on the bus. They had to carry her to get her on the bus. She said, I want to die with my husband. Can you imagine your wildest dream leaving your spouse dead on a sidewalk, knowing that the water would come and wash him away? I can't imagine being in her shoes. And yet today, we complain about the weather, we complain about our in-laws. We complain about people. And we hear stories like that to touch your heart. I don't know how many of you watch 60 Minutes. I, I watch very little television because of my schedule. I probably watch more TV in the hotel rooms when I check in. I always watch CNN News. And I always watch Fox News to see which one's lying the most. But I always watch 60 Minutes. And, and I think tonight, I may be wrong, I, I think tonight I saw a preview that down in central Florida there is a, a county where one in four children live in poverty. In the United States, one in four live in poverty. And it has this one little boy, the little boy's probably, they did a pre-interview, at least a preview, this one little boy was probably 12, his sister was probably 
14, 15, or 16. The father had lost everything, and whatever money he had left, he went out and bought a bread truck. And he converted that bread truck into a mobile home. And they lived in this bread truck. And the, the narrator was interviewing this boy and this little girl. And it was amazing what that little girl said. She said, I would never want any of my friends to, to go through what we have to go through. Said, but you know something? I am so grateful for what we have. She was grateful for what she had, not what she didn't have. She was grateful for what she I, I, I hope you watch that tonight because you will cry. It's that touching. And here we go in life complaining about stupid things that bother us. Today is the first day of Lent. You can change your life today. You can look in that mirror tonight and say, you know, today is the first day of the rest of my life. I'm going to have some hard times. I'm going to have some difficult times. You know what? Jesus lives in my heart. And he's going to test me. He's going to see how good I am. It's going to be like that person that smokes cigarettes. Tomorrow, I'm going to quit. No, you've got to do it today. And all you have to do is invite Jesus Christ into your heart. If you want to change, it begins with you. It begins with that person in the mirror. Not your neighbor, not your friend. It begins with the person in, the mirror, in that mirror. That the opportunity is yours. God is expecting you do great things. You are his masterpiece. Do not fail him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the gift of Advent, a time for us to reflect on our own life. A time for us to say thank you. A time for us to begin giving instead of taking. So walk with us these days as we reform our life, become a better follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from St. Stephen's Episcopal Church, located at the corner of Walnut Street and 8th Avenue in downtown McKeesport since 1885. Heard today were the Reverend David Kinsey and our church choir under the direction of Georgia Labetta. We invite you to join us for Sunday worship at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website at stephensmckeesport.com or find us on Facebook. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.